And as promised here on the Michael Medved Show, we are able to be joined by another Medved, uh, Jonathan Medved. He is the uh, Medved who has made his life in uh, Jerusalem, in Israel, for oh, going on 40 years, actually more than 40 years. And he uh, uh, has been enduring, like all Israelis have, this uh, ongoing war, the war based upon the attack from Gaza, not an attack on Gaza, from Gaza against Israel itself. Uh, Jonathan, and there are lots of members of our family, of your family, who are directly impacted uh, by this war. How, how many close relatives do we have now who have been called up? Yeah, if you you know take all the cousins and it's it's quite a bunch, Michael. Uh, look, everybody in this country is impacted. When you take, I mean, just looking at my my company at our crowd, we have twenty people called up out of our two hundred person workforce. But then there are about fifteen uh, women whose husbands have been called up, and until just recently, the kids are home from school, so they're affected. And then it's the brothers and the sisters and the cousins and the in-laws. There isn't a single family in Israel that isn't affected. But it's not just the call-up. It's the the horrors and the atrocities that were conducted by these maniacal jihadi, you know, zombies. They're like it was some kind of a inhuman attack. And over the last couple of days, they've been releasing videos and um, audio of the interrogations that are going on of the captured Hamas people, where they're talking about their joy in, in killing, in beheading, in raping teenage girls' corpses, in cutting off, and I'm sorry to say this to your listeners, this is a trigger warning, cutting off the heads of babies and then mixing them up Okay, this is the, just the most outrageous thing you've ever seen. We are scarred forever. We can't get it out of our our minds and our reality, and we are angry, and we're going to make sure that it never happens again. We have a, a slogan or a statement among the Jews, never again. Well, never again is now. Okay, this, this, is, this is what they did is not just the Nazis, it's ISIS. And it's worse than ISIS. There was a tape played today of a Hamas terrorist, whatever you want to call him, who called back to his family in Gaza during the horrors of that Saturday. And you could hear him on the phone saying, hey, mommy, daddy, I've killed 10. I've killed 10 people. Their blood is on my hands. And then the mommy and the daddy yell, kill, kill, kill. It's, it's just we're dealing with maniacs, and this Hamas regime is going to end. There are 40,000 of their fighters underground waiting for our on, you know, oncoming incursion, except that we are really waiting to get our hands on these people and to end this regime of evil. Have we found out more about these tunnels because of the hostages that have been released so far, a total of four hostages of 222 who have been released so far? Uh, how do we know that there are 40,000 uh, Hamas fighters who are ready to 
to meet the oncoming Israeli ground mission? Because that's the estimates that I heard uh, made by military, you know, correspondents, and I think by foreign sources like the U.S. No one knows for sure. But those what are does the it, what do, what does being... it mean? And this is this is one of the most common questions that I get. And you're in a much better position, of course, Jonathan. My brother Jonathan, who's speaking to us from Jerusalem. Uh, what does it mean when people say to eliminate Hamas? I mean, obviously, to uh, break apart some of their military resources, their rocket launchers, and uh, what other other military not, not resources? Not some, they all have. of it, Michael. All of it. They, I think, the agreement here from right to left, it's a hundred percent unanimous in this country, is that. What this means is they will not be able to fire rockets anymore, that their entire political and military leadership will be dead, that all of the commandos who took part in this atrocity, this whole this mini Holocaust will be dead. We've set up units whose job it will be, just like we did after the Munich massacre at the Olympics, to eliminate all of the commandos and the leadership we can identify who are associated with this attack. And once that's completed, that mission, then we will hopefully, you know, figure out the right way to rehabilitate the member. We, we, we left the Gaza Strip 18 years ago. We left the most beautiful factories and we left them intact and we left hothouses and packing houses. They could have built a paradise, a beautiful beach. They could have invested in it. What did they do? They invested in building a terror zombie army whose only technology is how to kill Jews in the most brutal way, who were given instructions to dismember. Literally, we're hearing interviews today about these terrorists saying, Oh, yes, we were told to cut their legs off and cut their heads off. This is not human. And don't believe that they're just attacking Israel. They are coming for you in America. They are coming for Europe. They're coming for Asia. They're coming for anywhere in the civilized world. Listen to what they say. They are completely and totally insane. And just like you don't leave ISIS to come back and get you again, we are in no way going to let Hamas exist as an organization, as a political entity, as a military force who is able to threaten us anymore. What about the the timing? I mean, uh, obviously, you've been very clear and very forceful speaking about the the ultimate goal and totally dismantling Hamas and going after the leaders. Well, first of all, isn't it true that a lot of the leaders of Hamas live nowhere near Gaza? They live in the Gulf Emirates. Uh, we they, will, they we live will track elsewhere. them down, and we will eliminate them wherever they are. I am certain of that. And when you're certain, certain of that, what what is the timing like? Because I know that there is a... <laughs> if I knew, I wouldn't tell you, and I certainly wouldn't <laughs> right. tell your your listeners. I mean, that one might be a scoop. But it wouldn't be smart, and I don't know. I mean, I'm, um, you know, simply a business person who has a lot of uh, a lot of interest in getting our story out. I think that 
you know, we the, the perhaps the most heartening element of this incredibly depressing couple of weeks we've been through has been to see the support that we're getting from people like your listeners, starting with the president of the United States, Joe Biden, including, you know, the uh, prime ministers of Germany and the UK and France and Italy and Netherlands. I know the prime minister of the Netherlands came to Israel. But it's 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 people. It's like Bono, you know, in his concert. And it's not simple, by the way, to, to stand up and support Israel. But this is not a case of balance. This is not a case of keeping score. This is a case of good and evil. We are not fighting the Palestinians. We are fighting Hamas. And Hamas is the latter-day reincarnation, Michael, you know this, of the cult of Moloch. You know your Bible. You know that in the land of Israel, the Holy Land, there was a cult. Which is the cult of Moloch, which is a uh, an evil Canaanite uh, god who uh, they sacrificed babies to. They took... Yeah children and and threw them in fire and and you were saying that that it is almost as if the so-called warriors of Hamas are modern day followers of this uh, idol worshiping cult uh, so go on finish the there, thought there, no there's there's simply no other way to understand it this was the perhaps one of the most evil horrific cults of the ancient world where they believed that the way to reach holiness and uh, uh, you know a higher level of consciousness was to kill your children and to sacrifice them to this idol and that's what this Hamas cult is all about because they're not just sacrificing our children they've by the way are holding 30 children hostages these complete, un, inhuman people are holding 30 babies and children hostages at this moment. And they're talking as though they're normal. They came and slaughtered hundreds of little children. They cut wombs open. They killed children in their mother's arms and, and the killed the parents first of the children watch and then the 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 children first of the parents watch it was unbelievable how else can you understand this other than seeing it literally in these biblical terms and we know that father abraham and the early jews in this country were told in the bible make sure that you you simply don't not follow these customs but eradicate them because a monotheistic outlook, belief in God, cannot coexist with people who kill children and then who celebrate it and video it and post it and say, hey, mommy, aren't you proud of me? This is simply not going to exist. We are going to stop it, and we're doing it not just for Israel's security, but for the rest of the world. Yesterday we had on Mark Regev, uh, the former Israeli ambassador to the United Kingdom. He's an advisor to Prime Minister Netanyahu. And he talked about a victory. 
And the one thing that people are talking about is a, a, a decisive, clear-cut, definitive Israeli victory. And the one question I could ask you is, what happens after that? Do you believe that there is any uh, intention of reoccupying or um, uh, reestablishing Israeli authority over the Gaza Strip? Uh, or is that something that would be negotiated? What what happens after victory? Look, there are many different scenarios that people are considering. And I think that what, let's get to victory. This is not going to be an easy campaign. This is unfortunately going to go on, not just for a matter of days, but for weeks most probably. And it's going to have costs. And we're very, very aware of that, except that this has to be done because we are going to rebuild. I'm much less concerned about what's going to be in Gaza than I am in what's going to be in Israel. There are 200,000 Israeli internal refugees, 200,000 Israelis who are now thrown out of their homes. There are a total of 7,000 Israelis who have been wounded and killed in this campaign. There are 220 hostages, including 30 children, still in these barbarians' hands. We have to get rid of them and their, their political evil regime, and then we need to rebuild our villages. We need to pour lots of money and creativity and talent. We have to build new companies we have to make our desert bloom again so that we can get beyond this incredible horror. And, and God willing, we'll do that. And then afterwards, don't worry, the, you know, with help from our coalition partners, and we really do have a coalition of good nations working with us, we'll find a solution which will allow the Palestinians to also breathe freer, to not be under the jackboot of these people who, by the way, when they want to uh, act barbarically, they do it against their own people. They are sacrificing their own children. They put their rocket launchers in schools. They build their bunkers under hospitals. They shoot missiles which land in their hospital and then blame it on us. Okay, this is what we're up against. And this is not a question of sitting and trying to figure out who's right. This is about evil and about good. And those who support life, who support families and children and freedom and democracy are now fighting the most barbaric, the most evil group that really the world has almost ever seen. And we are angry, but for good reason, because what we've experienced just ties into a little bit of history that we've had. We've seen evil before. We've survived it. Now we can defend ourselves, and we will. You were telling me uh, in the conversation we had last week, uh, not on the air, but personally, that the unification of, of Israel by dealing with this horror, by dealing with this nightmare force of zombies, as you call them, that the unification between left and right and uh, uh, people who are more right-wing and left-wing and that that has been remarkable and striking. 
Uh, what are some examples of that sense of unification and common dedication that are right now animating the people of Israel? Well, everybody everywhere in the country is engaged in acts of chesed, or chesed is loving kindness, where if anyone even dares to bring up politics, people shush him and say, quiet, not now. We are fully united to win the war. But what you know, occupies people's minds, for example, my wife, was finding pairs of shoes for, you know, toddlers up to age three. We needed 1,500 pairs of shoes because the kids who had to run away from the South, some of them walked away barefoot. There's not shoes for them. So, they, you know, that's not in a government uh, warehouse. People organize and get them. We have a hotel here which is housing these refugees. They needed 90 playpens, 90 cribs. We got that taken care of. Every day people are feeding tens of thousands of meals to these people, to our soldiers who are sitting waiting on the front line to go in on the ground incursion. We have housing to arrange for 200,000 people. And most importantly, what I'm working on is making sure that our economy continues to function, that we continue to solve global challenges in climate and quantum computing and cybersecurity, and that our defense has the best technology possible, including companies that we're supporting now that uh, create the software for the Iron Dome or fighting fake news on the Internet and whatnot. So there's lots to do. Everybody is, is united in this. The people are really uh, fully engaged in order to, to not just get to victory, but then to rebuild Israel stronger, better, and more successful as a result. 